When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation? Where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission. At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground cities to local communities cbp agents and officers are keeping people safe join u.s customs and border protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself learn more at cbp.gov careers hi this is john welcoming you to this week's episode of Batflips and nerds which is an awesome interview with the brilliant former blue jays pitcher scott richmond i'm sure you'll agree that his stories are absolutely awesome and you'll go away with a real appreciation for the guy at the end of this conversation much as i did bit of a quick heads up some of the sound quality in the middle of the interview takes a bit of a turn for the worse but it does come back and it's well worth listening through because even when you can't hear scott quite so well you can still hear that he's got some brilliant stories that'll be coming up after the usual jingle so without further ado roll tape And welcome to Batflips and Nerds, the baseball podcast with a British twist. I am your host, John McGee. My guest this evening is a player with enough baseball stories to fill a book. From growing up in the baseball-free wilds of Western Canada and going undrafted from college, he pitched for both of his country's national teams in Maple Leaf Red and Toronto Blue. He spent two spells in Asia, one more successful than the other, and is currently tearing it up in Italy's Serie A of baseball, showing us Europeans how far we have to go when it comes to our baseball talent. A very warm welcome to Scott Richmond. How are you, Scott? I appreciate it. That was a warm welcome. I am good. I am, uh, like you said, currently in Italy and sweating a lot, but that's very common here in the, the summer months playing baseball, but we're having a great time and we're winning, so it's, it's fun. Well, that's a good place to be. I have to say, we're we're uh, we're sweating here as well, which is uh, rather more unusual. I have to say, uh, I'm not quite used to that here in the UK. But you should be living in Arizona. Um, you've maybe got no less excuse than we have. I uh, avoid Arizona in the summer months, so <laughs> okay. I go elsewhere and play ball. But um, it's the winters are nice because it's kind of like having another summer. It's quite warm as well, so it's good. Great. Um, so we'll we'll get into the baseball in a moment. Um, but when you and I started communicating a couple of months ago about this interview, it became pretty clear quite quite quickly that you're a you're a huge soccer fan. So how are you enjoying being in Europe in the World Cup, even though Italy aren't there, of course? Well, you know, to be honest, back home I don't really follow a lot of soccer. But when I'm out here, it's just part of the culture. So I dive right in, and there happened to be. A uh, pretty good soccer team close to us here in Rome, and they actually have two two teams out of that stadium. Uh, Lazio also has a team, but uh, it was a lot of fun. I was able to go to a game with a friend, and then uh, after that, I was able to 
uh, go to a Champions League game against Liverpool. So that was exciting as well, the whole different ball game there. And um, had a lot of fun. It was uh, it's an experience I've never experienced before. Uh, the fans, the cheering, the, the the goal scoring. You know, one of my games had, uh, you know, it was four to two. So there's six goals in the game. So it's just amazing to see all that and the ups and downs. But uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and the World Cup's on now, so I'm following that as much as I can. And, you know, playing for your country is something I'm familiar with, so I can totally relate to this. And it's always good seeing the best players in their country, representing their country, and participating on the world stage. So it's uh, been a lot of fun. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it like that, because, of course, uh, you, you did it yourself. We'll, we'll come on to that in a, in a second, but let's stay in, in Italy, which is, uh, which is your current experience. I wanted to ask... First of all, how that that came about? You were in Taiwan for a couple of years, and we'll talk about that later on as well. But how does a guy with with your experience, you know, ex major leaguer, played all around the world, played in the World Baseball Classic, how do you end up in Italy? You know, how does that just that just an email out of the blue? Do you want do you fancy a, a bit of spell just outside Rome? Well, yeah, exactly. Well, I do fancy a bit of spell just outside Rome, but <laughs> I had to make some phone calls myself. I. Uh... You know, I've always said I wanted to, this, this is an international game, not as much as soccer, but I've uh, always wanted to travel the world and see all over and see baseball everywhere. And if I can play a little bit while I'm still healthy, I've been blessed with that. So I've decided to give a few teams a call over here and see if there's any interest. And it happened to be a little late in their signing process. So there's plenty of interest, just the rosters were already filled and there happened to be one spot open. And uh, it was with the Natuno team I'm with now, and they're in Rome, or just south of Rome, excuse me, an hour south of Rome in a city called Natuno. And it's a lot of fun. It's on the coast. There's beaches two minutes from the house, and it's nice when it's really hot out, and they play two games a week. And the, the guys work really hard, and, uh, you know, the travel's a little tough because most of the teams are up north, but, you know, we've all done that. So it's it's been a lot of fun, and, and I just picked their brains and asked if uh, – they'd be interested in having me come aboard and they said yes. And was it Italy that you were specifically looking at? Obviously Italy and, and Germany and the Netherlands are the three countries here in Europe that have the, the most uh, uh, pedigree when it comes to baseball. Were, or were you, were you open-minded? Well, I kind of wanted to just, I wanted to do Italy. Uh, so I just didn't really contact uh, Germany or the Netherlands as well, um, even though I'm sure they're beautiful. But uh, it, Italy's always been a bucket list for me and a lot of the cities are by... Uh, a lot of cities we play in are by the big metropolis cities. So I was able to, after like a Friday, Saturday series, the team would go home and I would stay in that area and go visit like Venice and Verona if we're in the Northeast or if we're in the Northwest, we would go to Cinque Terre and uh, visit Portofino and um, just kind of stick around and see the areas when we're in that area playing ball. My family would come with me. So uh, we didn't really contact any other countries, just Italy, and luckily we were able to jump on board. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's fair to say uh, from from looking at the stats, and and I'm afraid that my my pigeon Italian is is, is is something of a barrier to this, but it's going pretty well. I can read a box score even in Italian. So you took yeah. a, a, a no hitter into the ninth. Was it I think a fortnight ago? And a couple of weeks before that, you went eight innings with 16 K. So you're, you're certainly enjoying yourself on the field as much as you are off the field by the sounds of it yeah it's been a lot of fun uh, i've had some good luck out there and you know no hitters you're gonna need a lot of luck and i've never thrown one and that's the closest i've ever been to one i went eight and a third and threw 123 pitches and 
I hung a curveball on my 123rd pitch, which is kind of understandable, but <laughs> it's uh, it was close. It was a lot of fun. I had my family there, which was great, and uh, you know, get a standing ovation when you walk off the field, and it was at home too, in front of our home crowd. So that's always good for them to uh, experience that, and you know, the other team clapped as well. So it was a lot of fun, and you know, 16 strikeouts. That's also a career high for me. So it's a lot of fun over here, and um, you know, I'm on the I'm on the the latter side of my career. So to still know that I can get outs in a professional league and, you know, there's there's quality hitters over here. You just got to locate and um, the velocity isn't where it once was, but it's been a lot of fun. And I like teaching the guys, too. They see me what I'm doing and they try to emulate and and uh, pick my brain a little bit. And I love that. So it's been it's been a great experience so far. Yeah, I, I was going to ask about the the standard. So I know there are you're not the only ex major leaguer knocking about the league. I think Johan Pino is playing somewhere, and I think Mark Tehen played. Uh, well, I think he drank a lot of wine last year, as far as I could follow. But he certainly was on a baseball field during the wine drinking. Um, but there's a lot of good Cubans in the league as well. So what's what's the standard like, you know, amongst those guys and the local guys as well? And are you teaching them a lot? Are they learning from you? Are you finding that actually? The standard's not too bad here yourself. Well, you know, I, uh, Johan Pino, yeah, he plays in Padova, which is in the Northeast. Uh, I've actually was a teammate of his back with the Blue Jays in the minor leagues uh, a bunch of years back. And then Mark Tian obviously played with him with the national team, but he was with Padova last year. Mm-hmm. And uh, funny story, he's here vacationing again. He just can't get enough Italy. <laughs> so uh, that's good. But, um, yeah, the Cubans, are there's lots of Cubans in the league, lots of Venezuelans. Uh, get now they have a lot of import players and double passport kind of players so it's not just like you're facing an all Italian team so they have a lot of diversity which is cool and uh, a lot of guys have been repeat repeat foreigners coming back into the league so they get a feel for it but you know when you only play two games a week uh, it's really tough on the hitters you know I couldn't imagine trying to hit only getting to face you know four at bats or you know six at bats a weekend or whatever and trying to trying to produce runs so it's definitely in the favor of the pitchers and i try to take advantage of that but you know if you make a mistake these guys can punish you and uh it's been a lot of fun and um you know it's just really tough tough on these hitters they don't play enough games or see enough live pitching yeah we we spoke to federico Celli, who i think plays in that league he was certainly there last year he 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 had some time over in the states uh, in the Dodgers system and he took part in the home run derby that we had here in Hyde Park in London last year and that's exactly what he said to us was you know he's getting six at-bats a week and, and even if someone sees him they might see him on the day that he goes 0 for 4 with a couple of double, double plays so you know that's that's the the unfortunate thing with the, that sort of semi-pro level that we've got over here isn't it yeah it, it's it's not a it's not good for uh consistency that's for sure so you just kind of have to you know, battle and grind it out. And, you know, if they bring a import home run hitter over here, it's really not going to work out because those guys are kind of all or nothing. And when you're only getting six at bats a weekend or excuse me, a week, Mm. uh, the odds of you hitting a home run there or driving in extra base hits are pretty slim. So you might want to, you know, bring guys over that are contact hitters, kind of high average, slap the ball around, use a little speed, kind of play a different game over here. So, yeah, you know, it's been fun to watch and see how teams try to manufacture runs. Yeah, interesting. That that does sound interesting. It's it's something that I'm I'm very keen to do is is get over to Italy and and, and watch a game. So um, maybe maybe if you come back next year, that's going to be my my excuse not to put any pressure on you. 
No, no problem. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll pivot away from 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 Italy for for the moment and talk about Canada, which is uh, is not uh, well, it's not your nationality, if I understand that rightly, but it is it is where you grew up. So you're a, a New Zealand citizen, and we'll, we'll come on to that again. But you you grew up in Vancouver, which of course isn't isn't a big baseball town as, as Toronto and Montreal are. But a, a really interesting uh, thing about you, and and something that my uh, podcast co-host Darius was really keen to ask is that you didn't actually play in high school you know so your experience of playing baseball came through the men's local leagues if, if I've got that right so how did that condition you uh, as a as a as a young guy playing baseball yeah you're exactly right um I did play in a men's league I was working after high school for three years and just kind of played on a, a men's uh, you know, weekend ball, kind of like here, but it's just weekend baseballers. You know, at the time, there's 40-year-olds on my team, and I'm just trying to find a team to play on because I love playing baseball. So I tried out for the travel ball teams close to my home, the North Shore Twins and, you know, these other teams that are higher-quality players. But they said no. They they took it passed on me, and, and then I ended up just playing in the men's league, and from there, uh, just kept playing. And guys were like, what are you doing here? Why are you in this league? Like, you know, go play somewhere else. You, you don't need to be in this league. And uh, ended up, you know, after a couple of years doing that, quitting my job and going to uh, Central Canada to a wood bat league because that was a metal bat league, that men's league. Mm-hmm. So went to a wood bat league in Central Canada in a city called Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah, exactly. And... Uh, did quite well, and you know it's against like collegiate players uh, from you know central United States and north north central United States, and they'd come up and play in Canada, and uh, we did really well. We went to the playoffs and all that, and I got a little recognition there. So the coach there knew a coach in the states and got me down there. It's kind of my uh, link into America into the baseball system. So I was able to get to a uh, NAIA school in Missouri from there and get a bit of a scholarship so that's kind of how my road started yeah yeah so you're in missouri and then louisiana and and, and eventually you hopped onto a, a pretty strong program at oklahoma state um but that wasn't the end of your your sort of baseball odyssey such as it is so because you even though you were at a school of some pedigree you, you went undrafted and was that was that another kick in the teeth for you or, or was at this point were you just sort of taking it in your stride given that you'd you'd already taken the hard road as it was yeah, no, you know, um, it was just a little different. I didn't know, I didn't know that uh, 9/11, the Twin Towers attack, uh, affected me because America wasn't allowing visas into America to work at that time. They, even though the attack had been quite earlier, uh, they shut down visas for quite a few years after that to allow people to come in and work. They wanted to make sure they had an idea who was coming into the country. So whether I'm a baseball player, a plumber whatever it is, there was no visas available to draft me. That's kind of how I wasn't getting drafted my junior year at Oklahoma wow. State. Uh, tons of scouts. I filled up all the paperwork, talked to all the scouts I could. And, you know, I was being an older guy because I was a 23-year-old junior because I worked for three years after high school. So they're like, are you going to sign or do you want to finish? You're schooling. Like, where are you at? And I'm like, nope, I'm here to sign. Like, I want to challenge myself. I want to go to the highest level, see where I plateau out at. And they're like, all right, we're looking at you, you know, fifth through tenth round. You know, if you're willing to sign, be ready for the phone call, and we'd love to have you aboard. And multiple teams told me that. 
and then come the draft the draft day, uh, the whole first day goes by, which was 25 rounds at the time, and I didn't get drafted. I was like, oh, all right, well, I don't know what happened there. And then come to find out the next day that there's no game. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Visas available. A couple scouts called me back and said, hey, sorry, we didn't have any visas past the fifth round available to draft any players, so we weren't able to get you. And then go back to my senior year, do well again, and fifth through tenth round they sent me again and got nothing. Um, so at that point, I didn't quite know what was going on. I thought that our baseball career was over. But it wasn't. You you ended up in, in the Indies, in the Northern League with, with Edmonton. Um, and so that must have been a, a bit of a lifeline for you at the time, by the sounds of it. Absolutely, because, you know, I'm a guy who doesn't really quite know what's going on. I'm just trying to climb the ladder to the highest levels I can. Like you said, I was in Missouri, NAI school. My coach quit, went to a junior college in Louisiana. I'm like, perfect. I want to go play Division One baseball. So I went to the junior college, boom. Okay. The school was interested in me. I picked Oklahoma State because they were in the best conference. And up against, at the time, Texas was number one in the country. Yeah, Texas A&M was a good program. Uh, Texas Tech was good. Uh, Missouri had Max Scherzer. So there's a lot of good players in that league, and I, I wanted to challenge myself. That's why I chose Oklahoma State. And when Edmonton called after my time at Oklahoma State, it was, uh, it was a relief because I don't need a visa to play in Canada, being Canadian. So mm. I was able to go up there and uh, ended up being there for three years and uh, was blessed to have had some ex-major uh, league players on my team and uh, a lot of Canadian alumni from the national team on, on my team that were able to teach me the right way and you know, welcome me into professional baseball and show me how to do it the right way and uh, just how to go about my business. Because in college, you kind of, you know, you're partying, you're playing ball, you're doing schooling. It's kind of, you know, a big, a big mix-up. But once you get to pro ball, you know, you're away from home and that's all you're doing is baseball. So if you want to make it, you can see the guys that are still there partying or the guys that are putting their nose to the grindstone and, and getting after it and trying to get to the next level. Yeah, and so from there you went to um, the Blue Jays. So that must have been a pretty surreal experience for you as, as a Canadian to go from you know playing at the at the bottom level of pro ball in in Canada to to the absolute height. Uh, so what was the process there? How come how come you ended up in Toronto? Was was that a, another situation where the the visa situation acted in your favor or not? Well, at that point it got better over these three years I was in Edmonton. Like mm. Became calling while I was there, but I wasn't really lighting up the scoreboard. I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't unbelievable in Edmonton. I was just consistent, uh, which is what scouts do like is consistency. But, uh, uh, you know, after Edmonton, I was there and all these Team Canada guys were calling me like they had connections with the Blue Jays and Baseball Canada. And they're calling like, hey, we got a 27 year old guy here. He's, he's throwing really well. He's never had a shot. You can really come send a scout out to have a look at him. Uh, nobody's heard of him. Uh, you know, I think it'd be worth your while to come have a look. And Blue Jays end up sending out a scout by the name of Rob Ducey, who's also Canadian that uh, works with the national team. And they sent a scout out to watch me throw, and um, I had a good outing. And they uh, gave me a call a couple of weeks later to um, Florida 
to our swing training facility for a private workout. And uh, we had my best friend after the season there, jumped in the car and headed down there, throwing bullpens and playing catch in, in, uh, in uh, rest areas on the way down because we ended up going to the Oklahoma State alumni game. So <laughs> Drove down from Oklahoma to Florida and went down there and had an open tryout. There was 10 hitters. I'll, I'll never forget it. There's 10 hitters and 10 pitchers and me. And I'm 27 years old. These other guys are, you know, anywhere from 19 to 22 probably. Hmm. But what ends up happening is they save me for the end. They have all the pitchers throw, all the hitters hit against whoever. It's like everybody faces three hitters. And they have me go last. And looking back at, at it a few years later, I realized that they wanted me to face the best hitters that they thought were out of that 10 group of hitters that they brought down from the hmm. workout. They're not going to put a 27-year-old guy in low A. They're going to they're seeing me to go into a higher level in their organization, so they need to find the best hitters and see if I can get them out or if they're going to tattoo me all over the park. Hmm. I go out there and couple broken bats and a strikeout and they call me into the office after and go we'll take the old guy first and they bring me back <laughs> kind of tell them my story like I'm telling you or like we're talking about and uh, yeah they, they say you know what we want to sign you to uh, or we want to invite you to spring training next year and I'd never been with a major league organization before I'd only done indie ball and I was older and I knew my window was running out so just to be invited to camp was uh, a great pleasure and honor and that was really great and then uh, uh, it worked out really well so I'm pretty happy about that. Brilliant that sounds awesome you've gone down to Florida you've had your tryout they've told you that they're taking the old guy to spring training um what was spring training like you know you're you're there and you're you're amongst the the Hallidays and the and the Bautistas that must have been pretty intimidating for you coming in as your first experience as a you know this is this is real pro ball with with no disrespect meant to not meant to your friends and colleagues in the northern league not at all uh you're you're absolutely right it was uh pretty surreal because playing in edmonton what do you think we're doing every day is we're watching the blue jays because they're on across the country and you know six months after i'm done playing with them i'm one of them uh so i'm in spring training with them so i know them all i know every single player on the team obviously and they have no idea who I am. So uh, going into spring training was great. And these guys were, were uh, you know, hard workers. It was, it, was, uh, it was totally different than going into a spring training and independent ball. Uh, I was willing to work. It was a big opportunity for me. So I was excited about that and came in in great shape and uh, just tried to, you know, make a good impression because knowing that I was um, an older guy and kind of a, uh, let's see what we got here. I had to do well all the time because if mm. I struggled a little bit, they would have said, "Yep, you know what? We're good. We'll take we'll take it easy and we'll move a different direction." But thanks for coming out. Mm. So I wanted to make sure I came in and took advantage of the opportunity. Uh, and you did. I mean, you ended up in in the majors that year, didn't you? I mean, towards the end of the year, obviously you went through AA and AAA pretty quickly, but but ended up uh, in Toronto um, pr- pretty much as soon as you'd arrived. Yeah. So I was in spring training and then. Broke camp as the opening day starter in AA and went there and was there till the All-Star break and was called up to AAA, had five starts in AAA. I was 0-2 with a low three, I believe, or a high two ERA and got called up. And I'll remember, I never forget, like, you know, these are the things. In affiliated baseball, 
I'm not quite sure how it works. I don't know what a roving pitching instructor is. I'm not sure who the minor league coordinator is. These things, I had no idea who they are. They're just, they're just people in the organization. And I remember I was pitching in Pawtucket, Rhode Island, against the Red Sox AAA. And um, they had the roving minor league pitching coordinator there and the minor league pitching. Uh, uh, instructor uh minor league instructor there just makes all the calls with what's going on and who's going up and down and be in the eyes and ears of the the brass in the front office so uh i ended up going out there and doing really well against Pawtucket, and uh, they came in and gave me a good job high five after the game and i didn't realize it at the time i was just like yep you know great thanks for having me <laughs> and uh end up that was my last start in the minor leagues and I went to Indiana. Our team went to Indianapolis after that, and I was supposed to start that day. And manager calls me in the office and says, "You're not starting here. You're going to start in Toronto on Wednesday against the Rays." And that wow. was July 30th, 2008. So um, that must have been a, a pretty special experience for you uh, as a Canadian. You know, it's not unique. Uh, you're not the first Canadian to to pitch for the Blue Jays. John Axford is doing it now, of course. So you're not going to be the last either. But there's, yep. there's not been too many of you, has there? So that must was there any extra pressure for you? You know, this is your debut and you're a Canadian in Rogers Centre. No, you know, pitching at the highest level in the world, there, there's plenty of pressure there anyway. So not to, <laughs> you, you try not to, you try not to think. And that's what I think I had going for me a little bit was I was more mature than like a 20-year-old or a 22-year-old that gets called up and kind of, Maybe his emotions get the best of him or he's not prepared or blah, 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 blah. But I was older and had a tough road and kind of knew how to just keep my head focused on what I'm trying to do. And not saying it was easy, but, uh, you know, I, I had a good background to help me, you know, uh, just eliminate all the outside factors and just see the catcher's glove and just try and hit that glove every single time as many times as I could down in the zone. And, uh, you know, you can reminisce and look at it all after the game and, you know, my family was there. My grandparents were there. You know, my my girlfriend is there now. My wife. Uh, you know, it was just uh, it was actually the first time she met my whole family was at that oh, wow. debut. So yeah, my best friend was like, "Hey, you need to go to this." She's like, "Why? He's just going to pitch." It's like, "No, no, no, no. This is major league debut. You need to go to this." And, <laughs> uh, so she had a blast there and met my whole family without me even introducing her to them. So uh, it was a lot of fun and. Um, like I said, you know, you just pull the hat down. You don't look at all the stands while you're out there. You just focus on the glove and uh, just try and last as long as you can. And it ends up being good. I didn't walk many people my first time. So that's a sign that they like that I throw the ball in the strike zone and went five and two thirds with three runs and three runs and five Ks, I believe. And I uh, got a no decision, but or no, excuse me, got a loss. We lost uh, three to two. So I'll take that. Almost, almost a quality start. Almost, yeah, yeah not, not not far off at all. You must have been a, a little bit disappointed, you know, after the adrenaline had worn off. Oh, that was nearly a quality start. <laughs> well, I think I think by the second batter or third batter in the game, I I was down one nothing. So <laughs> I think I settled in pretty good and yeah. uh, struck out Longoria for my first major league strikeout, which was cool. Not too and, bad. Yeah, not too bad at all. Um, no, it was a lot of fun. And that was the year the Rays went to the World Series in 2008. So mm. they didn't have a bad lineup there. No, so, they didn't. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, never forget it, obviously. But yeah, like, you know, being in Edmonton, you know, six months before that, and then knowing every single person on the team, when I get called up and I walk into that clubhouse, 
they're like, who's this guy? He wasn't in major league spring training. I have no idea who this guy is. He's not a top <laughs> prospect. He's a, he's a, he's a guy I've never even heard of. And now he's going to be starting a game for us. You know, they might've thought that I was like traded for or something. Cause I was older, right? They had no mm-hmm. idea, but I knew who every single person in that dugout was because I was a fan of the blue Jays. I'm mm-hmm. Canadian and born and raised. I watched the blue Jays ever since, you know, 92, 93. So it was a lot of fun being a part of it. And he's sitting next to Roy Halliday the day before you're starting. It's pretty cool seeing him pitch. And, uh, you know, A.J. Burnett was there for a bit. And, you know, it was just it was just surreal at the time. So I've had a lot of good friends from it and never forget the experience. You know, if a guy was never supposed to be there, it was me. But, you know, I just kept working hard. And I never threw 97 miles an hour. You know, I never was the flamethrower that kind of got skipped over because he couldn't throw strikes. Like I was, you know. 90 93 you know on a good day so i was just locate and 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 pitch and change speed so um yeah just happy that i was able to get that opportunity and when i did i jumped on it you mentioned roy halliday there we we had a a a great question from by the way that the blue jays are an incredibly well supported team here in in the uk that one of one of the top ones and they've got a really vociferous and fun fan base so they were they were really excited to hear that we were we were going to be speaking to you. So one one of their questions, which was one of mine as well, was was about a guy that you just mentioned there, which is the late great Roy Halliday, who you spent some time in in the same rotation. Um, so I, I just wondered, firstly, I mean, how intimidating was it for you to be, as you said, sat there next to you know one of the all time Toronto Blue Jays greats uh, the day before your start, and, and what was he like as a teammate? Yeah, you know, Roy was just amazing to watch the way he go about his business. You know, there's nobody else you'd rather want to learn from and and see how a professional prepares for his his work. He works once every five days, and that's what people see him working once every five days. The four days in between, he's actually working harder than he does when he pitches. Pitching's like a vacation fun day for him because he's <laughs> so good at it that it's just like close your eyes and put the glove out and he'll just hit that spot and he's just amazing he's a magician but um you know in between the days he was never sitting in front of his locker he was never a guy to spend long time in the in the food room or 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 uh, or in the tubs or anything he'd always be in the weight room he's getting treatment on his arm he's taking care of his body he gets in and out of the cold tubs all the time he's he's, he's uh, ferocious in the video room He's got so much video of teams, what they did against him last time, uh, what what players are hot at the moment, what he needs to do against them, what he's been successful. He just like, I don't even know how he prepared that way or what order he did it in because you never want to go in there and bother him when he's <laughs> doing it. So, um, you know, he was a quiet guy. Um, you know, obviously he was a, he was a guy that had a chance to be, you know, or didn't have a chance he was great he he, had a, he wanted to be one of the greats in the game and i feel like he was and uh you know he stuck to his craft and you know at that point he wasn't really into the teaching mode you know mm. for the young guys coming yeah. up so he wasn't like you know hey if you try this you know this could really help you out he was more of a let's see how you go about your business and if there's things out there that i can see you know this is what i just figured from him if there's things out there i can see i can give you little pointers then i'll do that and that's kind of what he did you know and i'll never forget he uh in detroit uh i was pitching in a game not exactly sure of the exact scores but i 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I know we were winning late in the game, and I was still in the. In, I was still pitching, and uh, Miguel Cabrera comes up with two runners on, two outs, and it's a three-two count, and I throw him a slider, and he ends up hitting the ball out of the ballpark, and we lose the game, and. Um, they take the lead and all that, but uh, he comes into the video room after when I'm looking at the pitch in, Tro- in Detroit and says, there's five guys in the league you don't throw 3-2 sliders to just because that's all they see. They see a lot of it. So unless you really locate it, they see too many of them where they can just hammer it just like it's a fastball right down the middle. So, hmm. you know, he's like, just take your fastball away see if he can get himself out if he doesn't he'll just line drive a, a single and you know you move on to the next batter but he's he's one of those guys to just be extra careful with and don't try and don't try and trick him because he you know you're not going to trick him everybody else has been trying to do that when you're one of the great hitters in the league mm-hmm. so just just try and stick to the basics and keep it simple and down and away fastball and you know if he gets a hit he gets a hit but just locate that so you know i learned things like that and um it was a lot of fun, but it's really sad to hear his passing. I, I couldn't turn the TV off when he did, mm. and it was just seeing his name come up and the dates of his, you know, born and died, and it's just, uh, you know, 40, right? Like, I'm 38, mm. and, you know, it's just, uh, you know, he, he had an amazing career, and he was about to spend the second half of his life, you know, with his family and doing the things that he wasn't able to do all those years because he was, you know, being a major league baseball player, and uh, just feel bad for his, his sons and his wife that now and him obviously, but like now he's not a part of that. And, mm. you know, I'm sure he, you know, all had all the money in the world and everything all set up for the, a great retirement and, you know, um, flying planes was a passion of his. He did it on the airplane, mm. uh, try, try fly from city to city and he'd have his little computer on his lap with a joystick and he'd pretend to be flying some aircraft oh, wow. on his computer. <laughs> yeah. On his computer. I'll never forget. Cause I remember he sat in the exit row, which was about, you know, six meters that was till the next chair was in front of him so he had a lot of space to set up his little gaming system that he did but i'll never forget he, he liked to do flying like that and um to hear he got a sports plane and you know it was just it was just it was just weird it's still weird to kind of talk about it that he's mm, not around mm. but uh yeah just feel for his family yeah yeah absolutely it was it was it was a shock to a shock to us all and uh, incredibly sad um, so m- moving on from that, if 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 it's uh, if it's right to do so, I guess I guess we have to uh, to talk about somebody else who you played with uh, and a guy who is a, a guy of almost equally great stature as Roy Halladay in Toronto, which is which is Jose Bautista. I guess he was a rather different character, um, but I guess he was also a, a great guy in the in the dressing room too. 
Jose Batista is great. You know, he he's the kind of guy that when you play against him, you see he gets mad at pitches and <laughs> spins around and, you know, pimps a little home run here and there. Like, he's the guy when you're playing against him, you're like, ah, oh, man, I got to get this guy out. Like, he's driving me nuts, you know. But when he's on your team, he's one of those guys you just absolutely love. He works hard every day. He's, he's ferocious in the in the weight room. He... Uh, he loves his teammates. Uh, when I played with him, he was a bench player. He was mm. a platoon bench player. He got traded straight up for Robinson Diaz, the catcher, who I played with in the minor leagues. And he came aboard, and he was a platooning third baseman. Uh, he wouldn't play every day. And then he ended up getting to work with uh, one of our hitting coaches. And they told him, hey, listen, you hit the ball in the barrel, but you just pop it up. Like, you need to swing hard all the time and I, I don't know exactly what was said but I remember uh, everybody talking about how a, a flip a flip just switched and the Blue Jays gave him an opportunity and he took it and obviously ran with it and became you know the great Jose Batista is now and it's nice because he had like three four years in the big leagues at that time but no real um, you know accolades to show of just kind of like yeah I'm a major league ball player I'm kind of like a utility guy play all over has a really good arm um, hits for power a little bit, but doesn't see enough at bats during mm. during the day. So um, it was nice to know him then, and then to know him when he became, you know, Jose Batista the Great. So um, I actually saw him at the WBC uh, down in Miami there, and you know it was nice to catch up with them. We have a mutual friend, so it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. It's nice watching him uh, excel in his career, and even though now it's it's not the same Jose Batista. It's hard to be the same all the time, and you can't wear a guy out for it. It's, it's hard to be a superstar all the time. There's not many that can just continue to be, you know, the, the Derek Jeters, the Alex Rodriguez of, you know, 15, 20 years of doing it. So he had an amazing run. He was a big part of the Canadian uh, baseball scene, and, uh, you know, I wish him all the best. And, you know, they, they he, he was fun to see him back in Toronto this past weekend, yesterday, and or two days ago and today, or yesterday. Yeah, he got, he got a so, nice, uh, nice reception with uh, Stroman stepping off the mound, didn't he? That was that was that was a pretty lovely moment. Yeah, it was great. You know, he deserves it. He he brought a lot of fun back to to baseball in Toronto, and you know, when Toronto Blue Jays do well, baseball throughout Canada does well because all the kids get out, they start playing baseball. I want to be Jose Batista. I want to be these guys, and uh, you know, it's really good for the whole country. So you really root for the Blue Jays to do well. So. You know, it's just like any other international player. If you're from Italy and you're in the big leagues and you're doing well, all the Italian kids want to be you <laughs> and you want to do well and, and, and show them you can do that and be the next big leaguer from Italy and, uh, and it gets the sport going here. So the next thing can happen in, you know, England and all that. So it's... Uh, well, fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, well, you, you guys dominate a lot of sports. So, you know, maybe baseball be a little down the road, but you never know. Yeah. Um, so, so just sort of bring, bringing uh, this this little section on Toronto and the Blue Jays to a close. You you dealt with a, a few injuries there. You missed all of the 2010 season, and ultimately your career with with Toronto came to a close in in 2012, having played 36 games with the Blue Jays. I wondered if you had any regrets about that. You know, you said throughout this conversation that you were the guy who wasn't supposed to be there. And it did take you a lot of hard work, you know, going from playing in essentially recreational leagues right to being a uh, a major leaguer. It's it's an absolutely amazing story. And is it? Do you look back with regrets about how it ended, or or do you just think, my goodness, it was amazing to have made it there in the first place? 
No, I don't have any regrets at all. You know, like I feel like I worked hard as much as hard as I could. Like everybody could work a little harder, obviously, but um, with the whole injury thing in 2009, I broke camp with the Blue Jays and stayed there the whole year. And then the problem is a little bit for me is when you're the fifth starter and Roy Halladay is your ace or anybody's your ace. Roy Halladay is pitching every five days, whether you have an off day, a rain out, um, any kind of bump in the schedule, the fifth starter gets bumped out of the rotation and the number one goes right back in. So he's on his schedule every five days. So I would get skipped. I would get put in the bullpen for two weeks. I would get a start for, you know, four weeks in a row and then boom, off day. And then I'd get skipped again, go to the bullpen. So the hard thing is, is when you're in the minors and you're kind of the guy groomed for the next level, then you're taking care of. You're the guy going every five days. No, he can't miss his start. We've got to line him up with the big league spot that we're thinking about putting him in. So he's got to be going every five days. Then you get up there and then you're low man on the totem pole. And then you get skipped. My arm just got super tired. It wasn't able to stay strong, not throwing consistently. I would mm. take long breaks and being a starter. And then I ended up getting shoulder tendonitis and I got an impingement in the back of my shoulder blade. And I wasn't able to get through it. And it was all on release. So some people, when they lift their arm up, it bites and grabs. And mine was when I finished the ball. And mm. when you pitch, if you can't finish the pitch, like right at the end as you're about to throw it, you just got to rip your hand down and finish it. That's where my arm would just go. Mm. The back of my shoulder blade would grab, be like a knife stabbing back there. And I wasn't able to finish. So I tried to pitch through pain. But when you can't finish, then your ball flattens out and gets up in the zone and major league hitters just destroy those. So I was getting smashed around. So I had to say something like, yeah, you know, I have a bit of an issue in the back of my shoulder here. I'm trying to pitch through and they look at it and do all that. And then I ended up coming back at the end of the season and in 2009, because I had a DL stint in 2009 for a little bit and then came back and uh, pitched through the second half. Wasn't as sharp as the first half, but you know, it's my opportunity. I'm trying to, trying to man up and get after it. And then 2009, I come into spring training and I'm playing catch or it was the off season. And I said, I called my trainer. I'm like, my arm isn't feeling great. Like, I don't know why it's not bouncing back. It's still pain back there. So they get me on a, a program. We're in to see specialists and they see they have an impingement coming to spring training and right on the impingement DL, 60 day DL, just trying to get my shoulder. And, you know, they wanted to do, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was like mutual, but surgery was on the table like should you go in there and clean it up and i always knew that shoulder surgery is really difficult to come back from and i'm really glad that i didn't uh because i was able to come back and throw i played you know all the way until now so uh just not the major league level but um you know it's just it's just one of those things that you just got to be you got to be happy with the opportunity you had and um I don't have regrets from what what happened. I, I wouldn't want to be on any other staff with any other pitcher than Roy Halladay being a Canadian kid. So hmm. if he has to go every five days and I get skipped and go to the bullpen, I'm going to try and come in and do the best I can whenever I can. And hopefully next time the arm holds up a little bit better. But um, I had a blast doing it. We actually had a question on, on that point about how you manage your own body as a, as a pitcher. Because obviously it's something that puts, you know, as uh, Jeff Sullivan on, on the on the Fangraphs podcast always says, no one is supposed to throw a baseball. It's not something that a human body should do. So how do you manage that process of pitching through pain and 
particularly when you're in a situation like you were, where you, you know you were you were living out what what was every young Canadian guy's dream. When do you know it's right to to take that step and say, look, I've I've got a problem here. I, I guess that must be really difficult. It is. It's difficult for everybody at every level. I play with tons of players that. Ah, uh, you know, I try to throw through it because they're that's their mentality. They're like, ah, I can just pitch through it, and then they end up getting, getting smacked around, and the the organization releases them, and they never even say anything. And you're like, if you would have said something, then you could have maybe got better, and then stayed with the organization. But they tried to tough it out. But, um, you know, it's just it's difficult. It's, it's luck really, uh, because like you said, it's not a natural motion is throwing overhand. Like in softball, you only need what two pitchers mm. because you can do underhand softball pitches till you're blue in the face <laughs> and your arms barely even sore the next day. But overhand, you need five starters to throw a hundred pitches and relievers that need breaks after two days in a row and all these things. Cause the shoulders and it's not built to do that an elbow. So a lot of it's locked arm programs, uh, you know, everybody tries, oh, this thing does for velocity, this does this. Um, I don't think there's any telltale sign. You can get too strong in your shoulder. You can get, you can be too weak, obviously. There's deficiencies when you're a one-sided sport. Uh, you know, other your body starts compensating, and then you start your arm starts dragging, and then other issues can arise. So it's a lot of luck, really, uh, to see who can stay healthy. But you can do a lot of things. Arm exercise is a big part. I loved conditioning. I loved running and flushing out the body and making my arm feel good and really trying to take care of it. I wasn't a big uh, advocate of ice. <laughs> it's um, kind of, you know, the opposite of that. I just, I don't really need to ice. I just feel like, you know, it just it only lasts for a little bit anyway. Nothing's really inflamed. So what am I icing, you know? Yes, it's sore <laughs> muscles. And I'd rather keep hot blood flowing through there. So, um it's all good though it's personal preference but no i uh i i'm an advocate of shoulder exercises shoulder pro programs that's for sure and um you know blessed with good luck yeah um you've said that you you have been to an extent um because you you have pitched ever since you know you you, you spent some time uh, in the texas rangers organization in triple a um but you you also had uh, two spells in asia one one rather longer than the other so we won't dwell on on the first one um because uh, I, I know that that was uh, of some difficulty to you so we'll leave your time in in korea and we'll stick with uh, taiwan um so i wanted to ask you about that uh how did that come about and you know what what was that like yeah i i i uh for my sins i'm i'm, I'm a bit of a uh a fan of Taiwanese baseball um, mostly because it just seems absolutely crazy and I basically want you to tell me that it is as crazy as it appears it is as crazy as it appears good <laughs> um, no it's a lot of fun uh, you know it's not as uh, well known as Japanese or Korean baseball but they have a passionate fan base there and there's only four teams which is semi a problem because you're facing the same three teams all the time and you know, Does it uh, get boring. <laughs> well, it gets a little monotonous facing the same hitters because mm. the advantage ends up kind of going to the hitters. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the you're allowed three import players on the team, and they're always starting pitchers because, you know, the balls are a little bit juiced because they want to get fans in the stadium, so they <laughs> they, they want to see runs, so they bring in the starting pitchers from internationally to help you know, kind of combat the 
the juice balls and the you know the little the offense that they have there and the small 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 strike zones um <laughs> but it was a lot of fun the people are absolutely amazing my family and i had a great time you could walk around any city at two in the morning and feel totally safe uh the people in the country are gorgeous we would do a lot of traveling around and try and find you know waterfalls and little things like that it's very tropical uh they have we experienced a couple of typhoons there because it comes hmm. right off the right off the ocean comes right across and hits mainland china so that wake you up in the morning a little bit but yeah. the baseball is great and super humid you know you get given two three pairs of pants three jerseys and uh you know i feel free to change them in the fifth inning whenever you have to because you're sopping wet <laughs> wow. but uh it was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun. We won the championship my first year with the EDA Rhinos, the same team that Manny Ramirez played, played on previously. Mm-hmm. And then uh, they got bought out by the Fubon Guardians, and now they're in the north part of the island in Taipei. Yeah, and it's, uh, it, you know, I, I, I say this to people. like You, you said about the juice balls, and, and that's pretty well known in the, in the, the small strike zones. It's a very, a very different type of baseball to, to what you'll see in the major leagues. Like, it, it is just like hitter's paradise really isn't it you know you've got you know people like yourself and and some of the other import guys who are a class above in terms of the pitching it it's it's uh it's it's sort of baseball gym but not as we know it to to steal from star trek really isn't it yeah absolutely it's uh it's different and a lot of things a lot of import players when they come over there they don't make the adjustment very well they get frustrated with the umpires they start screaming and cussing and that's not the Taiwanese way, you know, they're very, don't worry about it, just get in the dugout, like, no big deal, and, you know, the North American way a little bit is kind of get crazy and start <laughs> screaming, fire your glove in the dugout, and these, these guys aren't liking that, they don't like all that emotion, um, they'd rather you just kind of bite your tongue and move on, but some people come over there, and, you know, it's their opportunity to play in Asia, and everybody thinks maybe they can go to Japan from there and all that, so they're trying to do well, and, you know, you throw a pitch, down in the zone they call it a ball a couple times and you're like what is going on here then you have to put it in there then they hit it up then some 160 pound shortstop takes you opposite field and you're like holy crow just hit a home run off me and where am i and um sometimes it doesn't work out for guys you, you've seen a lot of turnover so i was i was happy to be there for two years and uh you know the, the team i was on was great and the organization was great and uh, i wish them all the best yeah, so you, 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 you've touched on that, the fact that there, there's a lot of turnover with overseas pitchers and, and guys can go from being, you know, the, the dominant pitcher in the league to being, you know, a scrub week to week. You know, that Darren Downs, who's had a, a really good career himself, he, he was one of the best players in the league last year and he was cut after a couple of months this year, which just shows how crazy it is. Did, did, how was that as a, a, a pitcher like, for a pitcher like you, you know, you were... You were brought in, expected to do a job, but you're you're always on the hot seat because they they do just seem to cut bait with pitchers like it really easily. Was that a bit weird uh, situation to be pitching in from a pressure point of view? Yeah, some it bothers people sometimes too, especially because they can bring up another import player and stick them in the minor leagues and get them acclimated to Taiwan, and then if you know you're struggling in the big in the top team then you know there's a guy already waiting down there for you. And it's just like we had that a couple times. And you're like, well, all right, this could be the outing. If I don't do well here, like, that guy's going to go out and take my spot, and then I'm out of here. So, you know, the thing is, being a professional athlete, there's always pressure. Whether you know it 
or not, there's always pressure because there's always somebody younger, better, throws harder, <laughs> locates better, and can do things better than you. But if you carry yourself the right way, prepare properly, be a good teammate, there's lots of other factors that go into being a baseball player that comes into play. Like, well, what if we bring this guy up? What if he's kind of like a loose cannon? What if he likes to party and he's not focused on the baseball and he just kind of throws hard? You know, maybe we'll just stick with our consistent guy that kind of had a couple bad outings and uh, we know what we're going to get from him instead of, you know, flip a coin on this next import guy. So if you can kind of just, my, my model is though, just try to be a good person all the time and go about your business properly and don't complain. And, you know, there's only three, there's four teams, three imports per team, you know. 12 import players playing in Taiwan. There's tons of people in America that would love to go do that mm. opportunity. So the pressure's on all the time. So don't look at the pressure. Just focus on what you got to do and get to work. Did you, did you have a bit of a sort of import to union, given that there was only 12 of you? You know, were you uh, sort of squirreling away in the corners, all complaining about the strike zone when you uh, when you bumped into one another in the corridor? Well, we well yeah, we would book as they ever speak in English to each other. So yeah. it's, always nice to get, it's always nice to get a little English in. But... We would have it. We had a fantasy football league. Oh wow! And uh, we had a fantasy football league this past year that I won. Thank you very much. Nice. And uh, we uh, we all had our names had to be Taiwan uh, baseball or or country based. Uh, so like, there's a lot of stray dogs in Taiwan. So mm-hmm. one of our one of the guys' team names was Stray Dog Feeder, and <laughs> so it was kind of just our little joke of uh, mine was Night Market Celebrity. Because, you know, where you're 6'5", walking around a night market where, you know, most Asian guys are 5'8". Yeah. You're, you're a head and shoulders above everybody else. And you're they have baseball games on TV there and they're kind of big fans of it. So you get a little bit of attention when you go to these night markets. So it's a lot of fun. The guys, we all vent and talk to each other on that. But it's all in good fun and um, everybody had a good time doing it. And and, and, and and sort of lastly on this, what what's weirder um, as a guy standing on the mound trying to concentrate? Is it the uh, the sort of raucous roar of a, a partisan Canadian crowd looking at one of their own trying to get the win for the Blue Jays? Or is it whatever the hell is going on in the crowd in Taiwanese Stadium with the, all the cheering and so on? Well, you know, it's, it's definitely harder to get a major league win, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, but... I, I had a little bit of experience uh, um, with the loud noises because of playing internationally with Canada. Yeah. So I was able to kind of know what to expect. And that's kind of, you know, to answer a question from you before, it's kind of how I got over there was played in a tournament in the Premier 12 back in 2013 over there, 2014. Anyway, and uh, they, the Taiwanese team saw me over there and they asked me to come join their team so that's how kind of how i got over there but um yeah no i'm playing internationally you see a lot of things you play against cuba they do funny things but taiwan their fans are crazy and they host a lot of international tournaments so i kind of had an idea what to expect (laughs) but when you hear it five days a week it it, it gets exhausting from the first pitch yeah it gets exhausting watching it uh, but it's just you know it's just appreciating appreciating a different culture one question that that maybe is relevant to your time in Taiwan that we we had from a from a listener who's also a Blue Jays fan, Lee Jackson. He wondered how you coped with the distance and detachment from your family. I know your family are in Italy, and you said they're in Taiwan at least for some of the time. Is that something that you've dealt with during your career of being being away from family? And, and if so, how, how how did you manage that? You know what I have 
haven't dealt with it. Like a lot of players mm. leave their families back home and they come to wherever they're playing abroad and their family either comes for a couple of weeks or they don't come at all. And we were able to be blessed enough and they came first time we came to Taiwan, second year we came to Taiwan and they've been here in Italy. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. And then when I was playing in the Rangers organization, they were there as well uh, in Round Rock. So they've been with me every step of the way, which has been really great and share the experience with them it would make it a lot less fun to do it without them and uh, we've seen a lot of the world and you know we're looking forward to seeing more of it excellent so that's a, a good point to, to talk about what what might be the next chapter we mentioned this already that you're a, a New Zealand citizen um, through uh, patrimony so your dad was uh, born in New Zealand and obviously there's going to be a, a New Zealand team uh, in the Australian Baseball League this coming autumn, all, all, all dotted I's and T's crossed. Um, and they're looking for New Zealanders, I understand, to fill that team. So uh, are, you, are you going to be suiting up uh, in that squad come the autumn? Well, I haven't signed anything or anything, but we have been in talks. And I've been in touch with Ryan Flynn quite a bit over the years, uh, you know, because I've played for Canada for 10 plus years. And you know, New Zealand's trying to get their their international foot going, so they're trying to qualify in tournaments and all that. So, we've been on the we've been in uh, cahoots and and discussing options. But uh, the ABLs, if they're in there and they've got a lot of work to do with you know getting uniforms and all that stuff going. So I think uh, no contracts have been written yet, but I'm thinking it's looking like we're going to be headed down down under to uh, to help New Zealand get their first professional team kicked off. It looks like. There could be a few fun players on that team as well, so uh, it'll be it'll be a good first year for uh, New Zealand uh, professional baseball. That's absolutely brilliant. I'm very much looking forward to that. Um, the Australian Baseball League has a, a, a very much a cult following in the UK because their uh, games are played on Saturday and Sunday mornings, so they're they're quite good to to watch when you're a bit hungover to get a bit of live baseball free on YouTube. So we'll uh, we'll be certainly following you down there, um, even Great. if you're not aware of it. <laughs> nope. Problem. Yeah, great. Well, maybe we can talk again when I'm down there and let you know how that league's going. Yeah, how, yeah. How that, the team's doing. That'd be absolutely fantastic to hear how things are how things are going in New Zealand. So, just before we let you go, Scott, we've got a, a couple of quest, couple of more questions from some of our listeners that maybe didn't fit in elsewhere, uh, which are specifically about um, being a pitcher, really. So, the first one is from uh, from Russell Eason, and he he has a really interesting question about developing a new pitch and whether that's something that you've tried had any success with how you go about that as a as a guy who's maybe been around the block a couple of times and is looking for a, a new way to get guys uh, out uh developing new pitches is always great you know you don't want to have six seven pitches that are all kind of mediocre you want to narrow it down to you know two three pitches if you're a reliever you have a fastball and a nasty breaking ball it's all you kind of need but if you're a starting pitcher, it'd be nice to have four quality pitches that you can rely on and throw. So if you're a two-pitch pitcher and you're trying to stretch out and become a starting pitcher, if you have a coach you trust or um, some friends you like to work with that you can just try to develop a change-up or, or learn how to spin the ball and try and get some good spin going on a slider or a curveball, uh, those are all great things to work on. Uh, I've always been trying to throw a change-up. I don't throw a change-up that often because it's never been a pitch that I've been a fan of. I am, a, excuse me, I'm a huge fan of change-ups. It's never been a fan of, my, fan of me because 
I'm a breaking ball guy. I'm a slider, cutter, curveball guy. So my arm's going that way the whole time. So when they tell you roll it over and go the other way, it's totally foreign for me. Hmm. But I still, I still work with it. I still try my hardest to get it. And uh, I still, I threw a bunch today, even trying to trying to develop it and see if we can keep it going. It's fun to always work on a new pitch when you're playing catch. It gives you a little extra fun when you're playing catch and. If it sharpens up, you bring it into a bullpen, then you can start bringing it into games. So I think developing pitches is always great. Just trust uh, the person that's teaching it to you and make sure it's just uh, a good grip. And you can always double check online to see if the grip is effective. Great. And, and, and on a similar uh, token, but I think with, with tongue firmly planted in cheek, uh, Alex McClemon wonders if you've got any advice for a, a 31-year-old with a 29-mile-per-hour fastball uh, do you think he has a shot? I mean, if 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 you don't think he has a shot, I think he's uh, I think he's done because you know you're a guy who took a circuitous route, uh, and if you can't give him a a hint of hope, I think he's I think he's done for. <laughs> well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and give him a hint of hope, <laughs> but he's definitely under the batting speed, so that's a good start. Uh, <laughs> you know, you're not sitting right there where they like to lick their chops and attack the fastball, so. People might not be able to wait that long to hit it. So if you can get that pitch in the strike zone, I think you could be effective. Uh, but that's funny. It's a good stuff. 31, still playing the game that you love. And it uh, doesn't matter your velocity as long as you're having fun and locating. I'm out here doing it in Italy, and my velocity is going the other direction. But if, you can, if that's your fastball, then what's your changeup at? Because that could be a lot of fun to watch. Can, can you get a changeup into the strike zone if it's a – lower than 29 miles an hour um is, is that, i don't know that's outside the laws of physics surely <laughs> yeah it's it's an ephus changeup of some sort I pretty much call it a curveball <laughs> yeah definitely um so uh, i think that's a a good note to end on scott so um before we let you go where can people find you on on social media on twitter or on instagram if they want to continue following your adventures in italy Oh, yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, Twitter and Instagram are both Scott48Richmond. And, uh, yeah, I'm not posting a lot of baseball out here in Italy, but we're doing a lot of adventuring and seeing the country. And Twitter, I like to follow the Blue Jays and do all that and all the cool uh, Major League stuff that I'm not really getting on TV out here because it's kind of in the middle of the night. But, uh, hmm. yeah, Scott48Richmond. Great, both. yeah. So uh, lots of pictures of uh, incredible um romanian ruins and uh pictures of scott in his uh, roma scarf i can say uh if, if yes. you want a bit of that then uh then certainly head over there scott it's been a, an absolute pleasure talking to you thank you so much for your time uh, it's so generous of you to, to give it up um and uh, we'll keep an eye out for you in natuno and uh, in new zealand in a couple of months time i appreciate it. thanks for having me on john and uh look forward to talking to you in the future Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.